Hey, fellow Mathers, before we get into this episode, we want to share with you how you can get access to free content, professional learning that will keep your students engaged and doing the math that matters. Get ready to go to this link, mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. That's right. Registration is open for the free Math is Figure Outable challenge that's starting May 15th and runs to the 17th at 7 p.m. Central. We're going to have three nights jam-packed with learning and routines that you can take straight to your classroom. In these challenges, we have a great time. We do some math, talk about classroom experiences, give away super cool bonuses and prizes. You won't just walk away with routines that are naturally engaging and encourage your students to think mathematically. You'll also have a chance to win over 6 k worth in prizes, including a few virtual PD sessions for your school. I'll be joined by my wonderful co-host, Kim, and special guest, Jenna Labe. You can register at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge for a fantastic learning experience. That's mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. Now on to the show. Hey, fellow mathematicians. Welcome to the podcast where math is figureoutable. I'm Pam. And I'm Kim. And we're here to suggest that mathematizing is not about mimicking or rote memorizing, but it's about thinking and reasoning. It's about creating and using mental mathematical relationships. That mathematics class can be less like it was for so many of us and more like mathematicians working together. We answer the question, if you're not teaching algorithms, then what are you doing? All right, so in today's episode, we're going to turn the tables just a little, and I'm going to ask Kim to talk about everybody's favorite topic, high-stakes tests. Woo! Yay! Boo! Yeah, so we're actually not a big fan. So, Kim, when you teach real mathematics and spend the time and energy to really mentor students as mathematicians, everything we've been talking about, you just have to acknowledge that you're not going to get to all the things you should, right? And your students are just not going to do well on those high stakes tests, right? I mean, <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so actually kidding. <clears throat> yeah, and I know you're kidding here, and I'm laughing because I know you. Yeah, um, so totally not, right? Like, we right. don't believe that at all. But, Kim, there are actually a lot of yeah. people out there who actually think that's what we're saying. They think that we're saying, if you teach real mathematics and mentor mathematicians, you're not going to get to all the things right. because you're spending time, you know, trying to get the kids from where they are to really think. And that's it's not predictable. And so the kids aren't going to do as well. So you're just not going to get um, good, good scores. Or they think that if you do what we are advocating you're doing, kids just can't perform on those tests because the tests are asking specific questions that are in specific formats or something, whatever they're thinking, they think that we're just like throwing our hands in the air and saying, therefore your test results are not going to be good. Right. So Kim, how do you speak to that? That would be a really unfortunate predicament to be in, right? To feel like you have to choose between teaching real math um, Mm -hmm. and also having to decide, do I want the scores or, or the results to reflect the work that you're putting in and your students are putting in? But it doesn't have to be either or. And and it doesn't. And you've proven it. Kim, you're not in the classroom at the moment. Right. But tell me about your students when you were. When you were in the classroom with your students, tell me about that. 
So I started teaching in a school um, that I absolutely loved. It was um, a Title I school in the district at the time. It was uh, one of the lower SES schools. Kind of, We kind of live in a ruralish area, and mm-hmm. um, the campus was pretty diverse. Great kids, great families. A lot of my kids didn't always have the most support at home because they were working at a couple of, you know, parents were working at a couple of jobs mm-hmm. or maybe taking care of several other um, smaller kids. Mm-hmm. And I remember when state testing changed, we went from one that was kind of like, yeah, you just had to do it to a massive transition to, I was teaching third grade and it was all of a sudden, if kids don't pass the reading and math section of this particular test then they were held back in third grade. And it was super stressful to a lot of families and kids and um, to teachers. It was kind of a swift transition. Lots of pressure, lots of stress, lots of sort of parents not kind of understanding. And and, um, the kids were kind of freaking, like everybody was sort of freaking out. um, Yeah, we didn't know all the, the, you know, rules about how that worked. Um, Yeah, all the ins and outs. uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and third grade was the first grade yes. where all that pressure was on. And yep. so all of a sudden, this is the first time kids have really taken this kind of test. And now what, what, I can't go on to the next grade if I don't yeah. pass it. And parents are aware of that. And that was kind of made a big deal. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> pressure, right? Okay. Right. So you said, uh, or, or sorry, nah, nah, nah. you know me. And so, you know, that I taught at another school, right? So I taught totally. at that school for, uh, I don't know, 10 or 11 years. And then I had a phenomenal principal that I love, love, loved at that school. And then she decided that she was going to open a new school in our district. And so I decided, um, my favorite teaching partner and I decided that we were going to follow her and open this new school with her. And it was on the other side of town and the demographics were quite the opposite. Um, same great kids, great families. Uh, but it was a little bit different. You know, it's funny when you said, uh, great kids before I thought to myself, you would say that no matter where you are. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kids are great. Families are great. Yeah, of course. Kids are great. Families are great. But the demographics were quite, quite different on the other side. So you've taught in very different circumstances. And sometimes we hear people say things like, I mean, Pam, but you don't know my kids. It's pretty common, right? Uh And of course we don't know their exact kids. Um, And I'm not going to pretend that we have the answer for every situation, but we Mm -hmm. have had, you and I have had struggling students who have little support, they're behind grade level. And yet you and I both believe that all kids can learn more real math than fake math. And let me just say that again. All students can learn more real math than fake math. Everybody has the capacity to do more real math than fake math and go further, farther, deeper, richer, real Mm -hmm. math than this sort of rote memory mimicking kind of stuff. So did your teaching, the way that you taught real math, did it change in those different circumstances? Like you said, you had this title one school and then you Mm -hmm. had kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. So, so therefore your teaching had to change, right? No, 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 no. And, and to be (laughs) honest, I didn't find that I had any more students who struggled in any of those two situations. And in every class, every year, there was always a range, right? It's not like you, you walk into a a school and magically everyone's on grade level and does exactly what you want them to do. Mm -hmm. Um, everyone had needs that needed to be met and it's the job. It's just, that's how it goes. Mm -hmm. Um, and actually in my newer school, I found that I had a more challenging time. Um, because we needed to convince students to think and reason. 
Um, and they had, they had spent a couple of years before me just finding answers to problems and they weren't really mathematizing. They didn't know that that was a thing. So it's not really about a demographic for me. It's about experience that kids have with real math. And by that, you mean like in the first school, which is actually my kid's school, Mm -hmm. I'd spent quite a bit of time um, working with teachers and with students and we'd sort of been overhauling things and I'd been doing a lot of professional learning. So by the time you got those students, they'd been thinking and reasoning and mathematizing for at least a couple of years, if not, if not a few years before that. So, so when you got them in third, fourth or fifth grade, you could just sort of run with them. They were already clear that math was figure outable. And so you just kind of continued to figure out math. But in your new school, even though the demographics change and all of a sudden you sort of had more and kind of on a higher end of, of the income level, you had to start fresh and, and, and you had to begin giving them experiences that built mathematical relationships in their minds that made math more figure outable. Yeah. And we still had state testing. (laughs) My favorite. (laughs) Ah, crumb. Still, still had that state testing. So I know you're a little reluctant to toot your own horn. Uh, (laughs) You don't do that well at all. So I'm going to do it for you. I am aware that your scores at both schools were not only good, they were exceptional. Both schools, both schools. And not only was your pass rate unreal, but the, the, in our state, there's a measure that the state does for students who are excelling. That was also off the charts. Your rates were amazing, yet you were teaching real math. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when your goal is for all students to make significant growth, right, for all of them, it's not going to be just a high pass rate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not a goal for students who come in just to kind of stay and keep passing. Everybody needs to progress. So in order to get those kind of rates, and I know you're dying that I just told everybody that. Thank you for letting me toot your own horn a little bit. But in order to get those kinds of exceptional pass rates and excelling rates on a high stakes test like that, you must have spent a ton of time on test prep, right? Test Mm. preparation. You must have taken lots of practice tests, had your students practice with sample items all year long. You must have taught all the content by March and then spent spent weeks reviewing, right? Right? It sounds so bad. (laughs) It sounds stressful to me. So listen, we had some required benchmarks given to us. You're saying no, basically, I'm saying no. No, no, you didn't do all that. Okay. So we had some required benchmarks um, given to us by our district. Um, But, or or some, you know, tests along the way. But the goal for me was to teach as much real math as possible. And so I absolutely took some time to work with students on some released items. Sometime. No one wants to be shocked by like weird wording or something that's kind of social knowledge. I, I Mm -hmm. wanted them to at least see what they were going to be experiencing. But the idea that I was going to cram it all in by March, you know, right before spring break so that I could get a month of review um, of test formatting was never going to happen. I, I That's can't. not what you did. No. No. So you did do some work with some released items, meaning uh, our state um, will will give the high stakes test and then a mm-hmm. year or two later they'll say, yeah. here, here are some of the items that were on that test. And so that gives teachers an idea of what the items could look like and what kids might sure. be expected to answer. And so you would use those sometimes a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but often you use them kind of, uh, nicely, right. You would, well, you would often leave off the answers and kids just solve the problem. Yeah. Sometimes you would look at the answer choices and, and help the kids choose between them just by sort of reasoning. Yeah. Like there's lots of really nice ways, but again, you didn't do that. Like 
tons. Right. I, I didn't see that very often in your classroom. Enough, enough that kids were sort of comfortable. That just, was kind of your idea. Yeah. Just to give them a little exposure, right? We do some real math a lot. And then I would say, Hey, this, remember these things that we've talked about? Like this, this is how somebody might ask you that. Yeah. And, and give them a, a sensitive feel for, right. Oh, I might ask to, to, I might be asked to show my understanding um, in this way. Yeah. So so one of the reasons I mentioned this idea of like cramming it all in by March is we see that around our state. And I don't yeah. know if anybody else is doing it around the nation, but we see a lot of teachers um, that that manage their scope and sequence, the districts manage their scope and sequence so that teachers sort of get everything in early in the year. We consider it early in the year so mm-hmm. that then they have this inordinate amount of time before the high stakes test to just review. So I've gotten it all in and now we're just going to review, 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 because we've got to make sure it's all fresh and everything. But yeah. that's definitely less your perspective. Um, so let me ask you this. Was it ever true that in teaching real math and, and not like trying to cram it in really early so you get all this review, that, that as you were doing that, was it ever true that you didn't get to all the standards, that the content you were supposed to teach in that grade level, that you just didn't, you didn't make it by the time the test came around? <laughs> You're laughing. I don't even know how to answer that. Um, no, <laughs> no, that's not a thing. Um <laughs> So we have required in in our state, right? We have required standards and it's my responsibility to know what they are and to teach them. So, um, so you you did, you did, you were, you were really clear what your standards were and you were really clear. You were going to get them. You were going to make sure you, you expose students to those standards. They had, the kids had experience with them. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the job is know your standards or your content and know your kids. Right. Those are the, those are the two big things for me. Know your content, know your kids. So what I did do, rather than treat it like this individual list of of a ton of things to work on, because because that can feel like a lot, I did spend more time on some of the meatier ones, the overarching standards. Mm-hmm. And as much as possible, I made sure I wasn't teaching one single standard in isolation. We're bundling things. It's not a series of unconnected ideas. And it's not a checklist of did that one, did that one, did that one. Yeah, it's more about helping students develop as mathematicians. So you use these big overarching ideas and sort of slide the little ones in as you go. And the better kids get at those overarching big, huge things, then everything else kind of fits in more more naturally. So what are the things that you did to help students get ready for the high stakes test? We mentioned this a little bit, but um, when I needed to give kids kind of a feel for, hey, we've done some work on pick pick a, a bundle, and I want them to see what something might look like on a high stakes test. There's a couple of different ways. You know, I might put up a question and without any answers, and just mm-hmm. have a conversation about how would you think about this problem? How would you solve this problem? What's it even asking? So no answers, right? No ABCD format. Mm -hmm. I might give them the question with the answers and we have a conversation or they do some work around where did these ABCD answers come from? How, How could a test writer come up with these other choices Oh, nice! so that we can kind of analyze a little bit? Mm-hmm. We definitely did a lot of time estimating first and then eliminating choices based on if you just estimated and didn't even dive into some of the work. You know, there was some review of like social knowledge, some of the terms that they might have seen. 
And one of the things we've talked about before was also the idea of, sorry, I just no, it's okay. <laughs> is uh, numberless word problems where yeah. you could like blank out the numbers and ask yeah. the kids like, what's even happening here? Let's make sense of the problem. Yeah. And then what could numbers go in here? What numbers could, could make sense in here? And so then if we threw those in, oh, then what would this one? And, and so if you've never looked at numberless word problems, we'll put that link in the show notes. Um, we really like uh, some work that um, our friend Brian Bushart has done with numberless word problems. We'll stick that that link in the, um, in the chat. Yeah, I was actually, if you don't mind, I was in a second grade classroom uh, just the other day and we were having this conversation about are the numbers what the kids are struggling with or is it the, the ideas that are happening in the, in the problem? Nice. And so, you know, we just like close your eyes, visualize what's happening, don't have any numbers in it. And the kids really understood what was happening in the story and it was the numbers. But for some other kids, it was the numbers or the other way. <laughs> I don't know which one I just said, but it was the reverse. <laughs> they didn't understand what was happening in the story. And so a lot of work to just get kids to make sense of things first. Um, but here's the thing. So, I- so let me interrupt you. So you're saying that that's actually important as a teacher, like you just said, know your content, know your kids. That to me sounds like an excellent example of know your kids. Is your student right now struggling with this particular question because they don't understand what's, what the question's asking, what's happening, what's the scenario, what's going yeah. on, or is it the numbers in the problem are tripping them up? Yeah. They're, they're, they're doing the multiplication a little bit wrong or they're like, whatever. Is it the numbers tripping them up or do they need to understand the scenario better? And that like hugely points to your mindset of know your content, know your kids. If you know your kids, oh, now I'm not trying to help them solve this crazy problem in a way that, that they don't need. I'm really diving in, I'm dialing in and helping get like really clear. Oh, this is what you need more help on. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different, it's a different conversation. Yeah. Cool. Um, so the thing that I think we talked about earlier that I want to emphasize is that sometimes we see teachers say that they don't care about the test and that the scores aren't important, important, right? They, they mm. want to give that feel to their students mm-hmm. and they say, Hey, students, you don't need to worry about it because they just tell me about you and what, what you need and what, what I've done and how I can help better. But which is a good message, right? Which is a good That's message, a good, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's a great thing to share with kids that it's just this one snapshot of one day. But we also sometimes see some of those teachers practice over and over and over, and they put emphasis on correct answers and not the thinking. And the kids are really clear that based on the actions of the teacher, that's something to freak out about. So, um, right, right. So, if you say one thing, yeah. 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 You say one thing like, Hey guys, you don't need to worry about this. It's just a snapshot. It's just a one moment, but now we're going to practice forever. And we're going to, you like, we're going to make sure. And you're, you're filled with anxiety and there's like all this. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's, that's going to come through. So I really feel like one of the things that um, my teaching partner and I worked really hard to do when kids would ask me about it, especially in third grade, right? It's, it's the first test year. And so they would ask about it and we would say things like, Oh, heavens, I'm not, I'm not like super concerned about that. We're going to do real math this year, but we tried really hard to make our actions match that. Yeah. So it sounds like your attitude towards high stakes tests is really important, but also how your attitude plays out in your class is actually the most important. Like this totally interesting. Okay. So how did you deal with other pressures like your principal and coaches? How did they deal with your unique ways of teaching? Um, well, I think the, that <laughs> part of the thing that helped was that my scores were pretty good. And so um, they left me alone a little bit. 
And I also knew my kids really well. And so when I asked, when, when they asked me pretty pointed questions about a particular student or a particular, you know, score that was not quite where we wanted it to be, mm-hmm. we could dig into that and we knew exactly what that particular student needed. And I could give some evidence of these are the things that we're working on. Yeah, because that's the goal, right? Is to sort of help each individual student. Not, it's not about, hey, you've got, you know, like this five uh, percent of your students aren't performing, whatever. It's five uh, percent. Like, let's dig in. Who are those kids? Exactly. What how, what can we do to to help them? And then I'll just mention they actually hired you to be the coach at that school. Like, you know, you it, it played out. Your success and your the way that you were sort of handling everything was uh, very attractive to leadership, where they're like, yeah, we want you to help other teachers be able to get results like you're getting. So I'll just add in a little bit that when I taught in Michigan, I found that I had the same experience because my scores were good enough. They kind of couldn't argue with me. They couldn't tell me to stop. Like they, they couldn't sort of look at the, uh, what I was doing, teaching real math and, and like, oh, that's not working. You must, you know, cease and desist and do more of this real memory stuff. So, so teachers, leaders, parents, we are suggesting that teaching real math will actually help your scores. But be smart about it, right? Do a some test prep. We don't want students to be shocked by the way questions are formatted or other social things. Really mean it when you say that the results um, are not the measure of a student's worth. Really mean it when you're like, don't want the pressure and all that thing. We submit that if students believe that math is figure outable, then they'll just do their best to figure out the math on the test. And that's what we want, right? We want our students best and that's enough. And that's enough. All right, y'all. Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to send us your questions for our really cool 50th episode that's coming up. Send them to Kim at mathisfigureoutable.com because on that 50th episode, we are going to answer your questions, a Q&A episode. So get those sent in and we'll get right at answering them. We would love for you to join us on Math Strat Chat on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram on Wednesday evenings where we throw out a problem to the world and share strategies. If you find the podcast helpful, would you please rate it and give us a review? We would really appreciate that. So if you're interested to learn more math and you want to help yourself and students develop as mathematicians, then don't miss the Math is Figure Outable podcast because math is figure outable. Thank you for listening and making math more figure outable. To learn even more, make sure you register for our free challenge at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. You are not going to want to miss the evenings of May 15th through 17th, starting at 7 p.m. Central. Math teaching, math teaching, go register now. That's mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. Join us to make math more and more figure outable. And if you can't join live, register and we'll send you access to the recordings. We'll see you there.